everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Televoid. I'm one of your hosts, Mara Kate Elliott, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. Selena, do you understand me? If we don't find that list, the rub is gone and we'll all go to prison. Riley, the client list. Hey, LaToya. And we are joined by special returning guest, Nate Levy. What's up, Nate? I was so hoping you were going to reference the client list, LaToya, because you beat me to it. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Well, I mean, tangentially, you might be able to assume uh, from from that. that I don't know how they would be able to assume that, Mora. (laughs) Be impressive? I don't know. Yeah, that's a a leap that if they can make, (laughs) I want to know them. Right? Yeah, pretty much. So if you are that person, at Reply Booth, Nate and let them know they've made a new friend. But uh, this week we watched The Cape, uh, Season 1, Episode 7, The Lick, Part 1. And, Nate, this was your decision because you're an expert on the show, correct? I love the cape. I love the cape in an Abinadir, unapologetic, unironic sort of way. Because Six seasons and a movie. Six seasons <laughs> and a goddamn movie. Um, this show is so gloriously bad. It is so unawarely... I, don't, I can't call it campy because it's not camp, it's just bad. But it's so unaware of how ridiculously dumb it is, and I just adore it. I mean, there's a point where they're literally doing, like, comic book-style transitions, where, like, words are being thrown on screen because they're like, you're never going to understand what's just happened, so we need to tell you where you are in the story, setting, and and not even setting-wise, because sometimes it's not setting, sometimes it's like, here's the plot point that's going to be discussed in the next five minutes, and they'll just flash it across the screen, because it's like, you're never going to follow this information. None of this show ever makes sense. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, like, this is a comic book show by someone who clearly hates comic books. As hates opposed, it. As opposed to uh, Heroes, which was a comic book show by someone who knows nothing about comic books. Right. And it's similar to Heroes that way, because Heroes also has that, like, that like stylistic thing where they do, like, the, you know, um, uh, comic book style writing across screen. And they do, like, you know, transitions using, like, words and, and like, settings and stuff like that. But, like, this is just, like, it, it would just put random names, it would put random plot points, it would put random places, and it had almost nothing to do with the scene other than, here's someone who's in the scene, so when you're watching it, you should probably know who that person is. Like, it's ridiculous, because normal shows, they'll just let you know who that person is through exposition and basic plot, to, like, storytelling. I mean, there was plenty of ex- exposition in this episode of television. True. Oh, yeah. But there I was know, a lot of exposition. about what was happening. But I, I still feel like the more they talk, the further away from the plot I was getting. Like they're, they're, I, had, I at one point I was taking notes about uh, what uh, the, I can't remember his lick, whatever the guy's name is, Chandler, um, whatever he was saying. I was just taking full on like I was just copying down what he said because it was so insane that we needed to quote it like word for word because <laughs> it's like it is so devoid of any kind of like information. It's it's like it's like you're standing in a black room trying to like grab at plot points like there's nothing here i mean you guys watch the show right yes oh yeah i have watched so, this show multiple times i have rewatched the entire oh you have watched the show multiple times <laughs> see i haven't so i walked into this being incredibly confused and it never really stopped it only got worse to be honest oh no so. that's that's the experience for me too this show okay, good. never in any way makes a lick of sense see what i did there see what i did there? oh nice um <laughs> But that's the joy of it to me, is I treat this show like theater of the absurd. It's never going to make sense. The plots are never going to come together in a logically 
satisfying way, but you just watch it for the sheer ridiculousness that it plums. So we should probably just jump right in and go as close to scene by scene. I mean, we don't need to go like scene by scene by scene because there's so much. But we, we'll go we're going major... scene by scene by scene more. Just because just <laughs> you were confused doesn't mean we're not going to do things in order. No, no, I mean, like, we can go by major plot point because there's probably some stuff that's just going to get mushed in together because so much of it is just like... I mean, I if, we'll I like if you're worried about confusing. people not following along, that's going to happen regardless. We're talking about the cape here. <laughs> Don't be scared, everybody. If you're like, what's happening? I mean, I'd suggest go watch it for yourself and understand, but you're still going to make... it's still, it, Even though we're going to go through plot by plot or scene by scene, it's still not going to really match up to the episode because the episode itself doesn't really have a, a plot. But, I mean, it starts out from... I don't know what this is. Okay, I, there's a I do rental place. throw one thing out right? in fairness, though. Is this is the first part of a two-parter, and those are always weird episodes because they kind of don't have anywhere to go but the halfway mark. Right. Which, I mean, to a point, but, like, I don't know. I felt like some of the stuff they were talking about had already either come into play or was, like, left over from the earlier in the season because there's some stuff with, like, Summer Glau and Richard Schiff that are, it's sort of, like... Oh, yeah, there's some serialized elements to it. A, yeah, yeah. But uh, it starts out with, I don't know, is this girl a regular on the show? No. Is Janet? No. Oh, you would think it, she was, well, based on how everyone has. It's clearly a show that would have a case of the week, so it would be, like, introducing the case of the week in the opening teaser. I, I think that makes sense. But Rolo acts like he knows her, and they're, like, best well, friends, and that happens well, all the time in, like, oh, okay. like just television. But, oh, yeah, my okay. best friend who we've never She's met. She's his ex. Oh, okay. He says that several times. That. I know he's stroking her chin. I thought he, he was still dating her. He calls her baby at one point. I thought he was still dating her. I didn't realize it was his ex, but that still makes sense. But I, I knew it was someone he was either obsessed with or dating. Obsessed so. with? It starts out with her, Janet, the girl named Janet. She is working at, like, the seediest car rental place. Is that a car rental place? I think it's so. Like a truck it's like rental. truck rental. It's yeah, so it's, shady. Like, Pence, that's a real thing. Like, it was, there's so much product placement in the show at all, at all times. Wait, it was Penske? Is that what it was? Yeah. It was like the shadiest version of a Penske I've ever seen. Normally you go inside. Well, it was in this garbage city in this garbage show. Okay, so can we start maybe by going a little bit into that? Like, maybe not like full full on, but like, so this is obviously supposed to be like an analog for New York slash Gotham. It's Palm City, I believe. Palm City, California. Okay, but it's, so then what's it supposed to be? I guess like, I don't even know. What's the equivalent? like? Los Angeles? Well, yeah, but it felt like a superhero city kind of feel, because the way they talk about stuff, like, it was so dumb, like, the way that they had those cops that have, like... I honestly city. believe that whoever made this has never, like, truly even read a comic book, so they wouldn't make, be making an analog for anything. Okay, so the the only thing they know The Flash to be is a feature of a camera. <laughs> yeah. And, but, like, it's it's so annoying because, it's, first of all, Palm City sounds like the least scary place in the world, but they made it Palm City, and it's supposed to be this, like, dark CD city. Well, that's the irony, Mora. Oh, God. Jesus Christ, that's the irony. I mean, but... Arrow, Starling City, is garbage. Yeah. I mean, the only yeah. city, like, in comic books that is actually kind of, like, indicative with its name is Bloodhaven, which is the worst place on Earth. Gotta yeah. love Bloodhaven. <laughs> but, I don't know, Palm City just sounds boring, not as, like, clean, and it just sounds like a retirement community. <laughs> that's what I got from it. But, um, they have, like, their the cops have their uniforms that have, like, little upside-down Vs on it and stuff, like, the ARC. So, like, is oh, because be... it's, it's a privatized police force. Oh, my God. So oh, yeah, that, these are all plot lines from earlier. James Frayne is, like, slowly buying up all the influence in the city so he can turn it into 
I think, as someone says, a narco-terrorist way station, <laughs> which shouldn't every city be that, really. Yeah, of course. Okay, that makes a little more sense, because I was just so lost, because it, it was acting like... The way the, the way I was introduced to it, just watching this one episode, it felt like I was like being dropped into a completely different universe, and I wasn't sure where I was like time wise. Like, is this supposed to be? You were seven episodes in. <laughs> but like, mo- is this supposed to be like modern times or is it the future? I guess it's modern, modern times. Okay. Modern. She's got like yeah. some tech that's a little bit advanced. I wasn't really. Totally you mean a little sure, bit stupid? But... <laughs> yes. That, that She's was a cool so hacker dumb. chick. She has advanced tech. She's a blogger oh. chick that's apparently a cool hacker chick. Oh, cool. Well, that's nice. (laughs) It starts off with the the girl at the agricultural car rental place or whatever it was. Um, Do you want me to describe what's happening in these scenes, Maura? You might need to. I'll jump in when I can. Okay, so it's nighttime. We're introduced to Janet, who is Selena from the client list. That's the client list quote at the beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew I recognized her. She works at Penske uh, Truck Rental. We have uh, this old man. Uh, if you, anyone's watching 12 Monkeys, the series, he's who I call uh, pale and tall because he is pale and tall. And mm-hmm. he's all like, I want to, you know, rent a truck for agriculture things. Yes, and she's like, mark. clearly sketchy, but whatever. That's good enough for me. Well, she works, in a, place she like works a late night shift at a Penske. She's used to sketchy. Yeah. But why is she, but she acts so surprised when his ID comes back as he's dead. It's like, it's the first time that's happened. I'm guessing that's the first time that's happened, Mora. But also, well, I mean, fake IDs are usually... Well, she's not even that surprised. She's like, haha, good joke. Look, Give me a real Penske ID. still has standards. Yeah, and also, like, it had no security. I felt really bad for her. Like, it seemed like a really unsafe work environment. Well, she lives in Palm City. That's Is it really that dangerous? Life environment. <laughs> that, that's very true. So, yeah. So she is shocked when the ID comes back with he's deceased. <laughs> She's not that shocked. There's a there's a music cue that's like very very intense. That's why I'm assuming the, I'm the show is shocked. I don't know <laughs> yes. if Janet is shocked. Yeah, she's kind of like, sorry, buddy, give me the real one. Yeah, and he's, he's she's like, your ID says you're dead. He's like, I am, and she says, what? He said, dead. And then he blows dust in her face. So I have a couple questions there. One, why did <laughs> yeah. he just immediately blow the dust in her face if that was the main plan? And then B, why couldn't he just lie if not? Because all he gotta do is just say, oh, it's a fake ID, sorry, and then go somewhere else. Here, no? here is my big question, <laughs> and it's the thing that confused me most throughout this hour of television. Are they all just carrying loose powder in their pockets? <laughs> pocket that sand! That does not seem it's effective. pocket sand! Sorry, that's a King of the Hill reference, but that's exactly what it is. They literally have sand in his pockets, I'm imagining. Right? Yep. Or at least like a bag of sand. It's literally pocket sand. Wow, I didn't even put that together until now, you're right. Because he just reaches into his pocket, pulls out a bunch of sand, and blows it in her face. Maybe it's just because he's like a massive like, stunt queen. Dude, and he you're going to lose like, a yeah. lot of powder. It is a lot of powder. It like, coats her face. It's disgusting. And then she passes out immediately and then goes into a catatonic state. I, I think it's a catatonic state, but I, then we find out later. I do want to offer a clarification. It's a different sort of coating her face than happened in the client list. Oh, God. Jesus. But, yeah. So he, so he, he, he knocks her out. And then... Yes, he's all rejoice, my lamb. He has risen. And we're all like, "What are you talking about, old man?" Oh, then the cape opening Jesus. credits happen, and they're the worst. Why do they feature oboe so much? That's my question. <laughs> so much oboe. 
they want something as upsetting as the show to, to start things out, I'm assuming. But, um, so they, they then cut to, I guess, is this like a, this is a nightmare, obviously. Has this actually happened on the show or was it just a nightmare? God damn it, Moore. I, I, I'm a, taking control of this. Every scene with his dumb wife and dumb kid is a nightmare. Okay. Yeah. First um, we get the title card, Janet Pack, and then we get the, what seems like a flashback because it's in the, the hue of like the soft lighting and yellowness. Different yeah, than the right. other soft yeah. lighting and, and yellowness. terrible son that... and his dead eyes. Oh, God, that dead-eyed son. His, yeah, it was so hard to realize it was a dream at first because, like, it was just this dead-eyed son being dead-eyed as usual. And then he realized, oh, they can't hear me. And the, the mom makes a joke about, like, how you never listen to me when you're playing that video game. Like, he's catatonic, this kid. Like, you should be upset that your child is brain dead. Right. Yeah. And I was I was lost because so is there magic like this at all on the show or this is weird? no this is it's his dream but I I do want to offer something okay. you didn't really get to experience how truly abysmal okay. that kid is he's a nightmare because this is the only appearance he has in this episode and he's not doing anything which is the most of his ability pretty much <laughs> um, but his dumb wife and his dumb son ooh boy on this show are they dumb everyone's dumb on the show. Yeah. He's dumb for never changing his voice when he's in cape mode oh and they're dumb for not realizing it's him in cape mode. It's... Yeah. Oh god. So what so maybe we could, before we get too much further cuz it's going to become like a main thing since this is obviously like he's dead. That's the whole thing. So does Oh he yeah, do I need to offer do happens? I offer, Okay. Let me let me give y'all the story of the cape. Um <laughs> break it down for us. So detective Vince Faraday, aka <laughs> the cape nowadays. Uh <laughs> was investigating the notorious criminal named, I think, Chess. Yes, um, Chess. Who is played by James Frain, who is also the CEO of the Arc Corporation, who is slowly buying up Palm City. Um, Vince and his partner, whose name I forget because he's also dumb, uh, stumble upon the fact that uh, Chess is James Frain, and so he tries to frame Vince as being Chess. Vince is fake killed in a police shootout, only he survives and gets picked up by Keith David, who's part of a merry band of traveling criminal circus performers. Of course. Uh, there, Vince recovers and discovers the cape and begins to learn the power of it. So there and is save Palm City. It. It's a magic cape, certainly. <sighs> Fucking hell. But I don't understand. They never explain, actually, how the cape operates. And so when you say, like, he fake died, he didn't actually die. No, he didn't actually die. He, like, no. fell through a sewer grate, and they all just assumed So why died. didn't he go back to his wife and kid? Because everyone thinks he's, like, a criminal. Yeah, everyone thinks he's this master criminal. They think he's chess. Oh, but so, so the wife doesn't framed. know that he's alive, or she does? No. Okay. No. So everyone else thinks he, was, that he died a terrible criminal. Everyone thinks okay. he's dead. Yes. Yes. That clears up a lot. Well, he does eventually, we see after this, he wakes up in a crypt... A la Spike, so it was a little bit much. I was like, I don't know if he's really dead. Because... It's not a crypt. It's a it's a it's a abandoned circus. Oh, I thought it was a crypt. Well, there is a well. He he specifically is living mausoleum. in a mausoleum in the abandoned oh, right. circus. Yes, because all very, circuses very have traveling mausoleums. Of course, but that was a little bit much because I was like, okay, first of all, the girl will get into it. She's not really that becomes a whole thing. She clawed her way out of her grave, but like I wasn't sure if like you know. 
zombieism slash like being raised from the dead was like an actual runner on the show, but that clears that up. Just any anything is an actual runner on the show. <laughs> well, nothing makes sense. Everything happens. There is no like internal logic okay, in the show. That's no. great. So. Yes. So he he wakes up in his carny ma- mausoleum home, and Keith David is all leave the cape. We, we need, need the cop because Keith David is always just saying shit like that on this damn show. Either you wear the cape, or the cape wears you. He's yeah. another, that's another Keith David yeah. classic. Jesus Christ. That's, wow. And so, yeah, we're introduced to Keith David and, um, I don't know the guy's name. His Rolo is the other guy, is the, his, uh, it's not a cop then. They're not cops. No. They're, no, no they're, they're, they're carnies. Thieves. They're carny thieves. Carny thieves, of course. They act like cops. They act like detectives, though. So I was very like. I mean, you know how Carney. They're not detectives. They needed him to leave the cape because they needed the cop. Well, that's what when they said they needed the cop, I thought that was like his old cop buddies, and I was very confused because Rolo is a little person, and I was like, how did he pass the entrance exam? But I guess he did. But either way, so they're just they're they're like Carney, like crime solvers, sort of like they're trying to do good, I guess, or no? Like they're trying to even fucking knows on this show. I wasn't sure what exactly they were trying to. I know. I mean, can't you see how terrible the town is? There's so many carnies and (laughs) criminals with like Norman Osborn fantasies. There's so many carnies. Hyphen Latoya Ferguson. (laughs) But yeah, Um, so they're concerned about Janet because she's been clawing out of her grave. At first, they think yeah, her grave was robbed. She's been clawing out of her grave like multiple times. She just they keep putting her back and she gets keep calling out. Yeah. This this should yep. say a lot about Palm City too. Is she was she was in the ground within it like a day. They're so like on top of burying people. Like she she goes unconscious the day before and then she's already got a gravestone and has clawed her way out like the following day practically, uh, or at least it seems like the following day. I don't know if it really is, but um yeah. So then she calls her way out and they're like we gotta find her, and then the then the little guy is like we found her. And then the cape's like alive or dead. But then we go to the scene, which on any other show would probably be great. But because it's the cape, it's the cape, which is a scene between James Frain, Richard Schiff and Dayton Callie from Sons of Anarchy. It's like, why is anyone on this show? I I literally have a note. Dayton Callie, Richard Schiff, you're better than this show. James Frain even, like, I don't think he's, like, necessarily better than it, but at least he would be he's able to... He's better than the show. He'd be Come able on. to pull up better plot with better writing. Everyone but the dumb kid and the dumb wife are better than the show. <laughs> eh, I don't know if David Lyon is better than the show. Not yeah, the I have Natalie Morales down here later. I had so many exactly. And, uh Everyone oh. but the cape and his family are better than the show. <laughs> the cape and his dumb family. Um, dumb fucking family. But yeah, so there's a scene. I mean, Richard Schiff. This is a scene where I literally say I have no idea what I'm. What this was happening. It was like gibberish. Like, it was like it was po- political espionage, gibberish. crime, gibberish. Like they were just throwing buzzwords in. It was like all you hear like forty eight hour offers off the table, trade, constituents, mm-hmm. smuggling, smuggling. Blah, blah. James Frain is definitely Lex Luthor in this scene, or something yeah. like that. I couldn't tell what was happening, but they were discussing something's gonna stop. And your Seven billion dollars was involved. Yeah, and the constituents will not be happy if you don't follow through with this order and 48 hours ends off the table. And you're, you're understanding, I guess, that James Frain has the power in the situation, but even then, like, it, they're all, like, guys meeting, like, you he, know, conspiratorially. Well, yeah. You don't know who's really He threatens to kill this deal. 
he does the, the dramatic pause after kill, which means he's going to kill Richard Schiff, basically. Okay, so the, the, see, that's, again, I don't even really know, because I don't know who any of them are. For all I knew, Richard Schiff was like, the president. You couldn't tell from that menacing line delivery of James <laughs> Frayne that he was going to kill him, and the fact that, like, Richard Schiff was freaking out because he was being followed, you couldn't tell that more? Oh, no, I could, but I didn't know if he was, like, the <laughs> vice president or something. Like, you don't know what he is. <laughs> this is actually, it's all a Veep crossover. Yes, I would totally be into that. See, this is, like, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, I obviously, Palm City makes more sense now that I know it's just like a city in, in uh, well, a la LA, but like, I didn't know if this, again, was a whole, like, different world, because they don't really go in, they don't discuss any of the cities outside of Palm City, so you don't know. Like, maybe this is like There's a There's no different... world outside of Palm City. No, exactly. it's, it's the last city on Earth. Yeah, so for all I knew, that was how it was, and he was like the president, like, he was basically of the city. he was he was like he was a, a, like adama or president Rosalind. Rosalind, but or like he was the adama or something he was somebody he had constituents that's all i knew that's all i was that's Lauren, this is you talking about your fucking Battlestar galactica like deep knowledge all of a sudden <laughs> i know who they are on the show they're both in charge <laughs> of things that's all I, and they bang a lot that's all i know <laughs> now we're making bang. you the authority on Battlestar galactica apparently yeah making you the commissioner of bsg yes so his constituents will be concerned, and so he's, like, feeling the pressure. So Richard Schiff kind of, like, bows under it and is going to try and... I don't... Is he is he a bad guy? Again, I don't know if they're all bad guys. No, James Frayne's obviously Schiff a bad guy. He's clearly not a bad guy. He's not, okay. And James Frayne's always a bad guy, so you yeah, can kind always. of assume he is. So I was like, okay, but I didn't know if him dealing with with James uh, Frayne meant that he was probably also a bad guy by association, but you he's never really know. He's being threatened by James Frayne, though. Yeah, but other bad guys threaten other bad guys all the time. <laughs> And then like, he went to Summer Glau for help, Mora. Come right. on. Well, I thought he was, just like... being obtuse? See, I, I think I've watched too much Burn Notice where it's, like, even the good <laughs> guys are being threatened by good guys and bad guys are being threatened by bad guys and nothing makes sense anymore, so... Someone needs your help, Mora. <laughs> Miami. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is not the Burn Notice podcast, guys. You know spies. Bunch of bitchy little girls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... Hey, uh, so then Richard Schiff meets with Summer Glau and they're supposed to be, like, discreet and this is the least discreet meet up when you're being followed by people oh my god ever Absolutely. ever they're like they, sitting out in public on a on a dock like he's just like passing files around like he should <laughs> he should have been shot in the head for this they might as well be like you know setting off a fireworks display <laughs> it's like summer they're having it's, a nice time it's also crowded. the longest scene that scene yes. goes on forever and it's just exposition I mean, it's like one of the million scenes on the show where it's like, Orwell, I thought you were a man. That Ladies can be episode. bloggers, too. But she never <laughs> says she is Orwell. She's like, no, I'm a female representative. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, well, the, the summation of that entire scene is just Conrad Chandler doesn't exist. It's like, okay. <laughs> you, you just... Also, narco-terrorist way station. <laughs> and to, to fill in the blanks on that, um, <laughs> Palm City was... Founded by the Chandler family, okay. and Conrad Chandler, which would be the uh, the heir, supposedly was never born, never existed, but they know that he is alive somewhere. Because they see picture, he has these pictures of Conrad Chandler's mother eight months pregnant before this this crash or something, and then afterwards there's no baby, so the baby was probably either taken or or dropped off somewhere or just survived essentially. Whereas the parents did not, because they're now dead, so he would be the only heir to the whole city. So it's like a big deal if we can find them. Although everyone else assumes he doesn't exist, but he's pretty sure that he does because he has all his photographic proof. Um, but yeah, so, and then there's, like, a, she's, like, a loud public call needs to happen, 
and then he's like, is posting on the website necessary? And it's just so oblique and stupid. He's like, I'm a blogger. I'm a blogger. And, uh, and she's like, are you concerned for your safety? Oh, God. And uh, Richard Schiff is just like, okay. Again, like, Richard Schiff, poor Richard Schiff being forced to be the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like, the tipster for everything ever, because he does the same basic plot in the last couple seasons of The West Wing, <laughs> and it's much, much more upsetting there. Um, but then... I'm not even gonna say poor Richard Schiff, just because I, I feel like everyone here is like, let's get this paycheck. That, yeah. like, really explains this whole, the or whole they were cast. Really, yeah. from, like, I think some of like, them... Like, everyone in this cast, besides the cape and his dumb family, it explains so Yeah, and much. I don't know about Summer Glau, because she should probably know better, but I think a lot of them were just sort of lured into the idea of, like, oh, a superhero show? I'll do a superhero show. And they don't understand superheroes themselves, so they thought this was a cool, hip superhero show. Much like the creators of the cape. Yes. (laughs) And so then when they got there, and they started acting, and they were, like, saying superhero-esque things, even though they're not very good, they just thought it Oh, you know, all that prison talk and... Neurotoxin. And they would all assume no. that, you know, my, my son saw The Dark Knight, he loved it. <laughs> this will be great. That's exactly, I feel like, the vibe of 90% of the cast is them saying, someone I know loved this one movie, so we'll make this terrible, like, TV version of whatever that was supposed to be. Um, and then, so, so they're going to move forward with the whole Chandler thing going public, trying to, to prove that he exists. Um, and then, there's later on, there's another scene where they go back with Rolo and Janet, right? Isn't this the yeah, same? Uh, yeah. Yeah, then they go find Janet in the, like, hollowed-out burned school bus yeah. that she's hiding in for some reason. Where is that? Is that, like, uh, in their carny neighborhood? I don't know. Yeah. They, they get a tip that she's there, and they just go running. Because so I can't knows? yeah I can't tell if those are homeless people surrounding it or just, like, other carnies, honestly. Yeah, it, it looks like it's definitely run down, though. So it's, if it's anything, it's just abandoned and, and done, gone to shit. But I also, at this point, I won't, I'm not gonna lie, I still thought they might be cops. So he was like, Oh my God. He was like, Oh man, oh man, it's her. What did she do? What did she do? It was the worst acting. And I was like, What kind of cop talks like this? Because, like, a cop should know better than to walk onto a scene of a crime or a scene of whatever and then find her and say that kind of shit in front of her. If anyone on the show is a cop, like, they're not good. Oh cops. no, they're all terrible. Oh, no. That's true. Yeah. And the whole thing is she starts freaking out about just everything and she's just yelling about things rising and stuff and keith david like knocks her out by rubbing her head you know as you do he choked a bitch out let's be real and he she's like before that though she's like manic like she's like gone crazy she's clearly lost her mind because of i mean it's it's very akin to Mm -hmm. like a it almost feels of they're they're all saying zombieism because she's coming after the dead but it's also very vampirism like it's very like early stage vampire where they're like gone crazy and they haven't you know figured their shit out yet so that's the kind of vibe they're all concerned like she's a monster now because she's come back from the dead or whatever and um yeah it's it's like haitian voodoo yes, exactly. oh well they they explain that before. we'll we'll talk about that we'll talk about it in a second but also the cape is like uh i've heard that name before the lick and i rewound it she like i heard her say the lick she never got to finish the word lick so I'm like, I was confused the first time. Like, what name have you heard? They before? were on the sixth take already. They didn't have time to do it again. <laughs> she, she definitely said the lift at, <laughs> at most. There was no way he heard her say any name. Good lord. But then, then Rallo Rallo asks where they can find this guy, and the cape delivers my favorite line of the episode: "The boogeyman uh, doesn't have an address." God. And uh, and they're also the, the Rollo when he first sees her. The first thing he says is, last time I saw you, you were seeing karaoke. Total Eclipse of the Heart. It was just... It Which was also means Rollo very... pulled a fade out on you her. Still, you still thought he was a cop, Mara. I know, I was very confused. At this point, I was very confused. Because there's like witchcraft talking. 
Well, they, they know it's witchcraft because there's... Well, he says there's witchcraft because there's no pulse. So he knows something's going <laughs> well, on. Well, here's the thing. Because, like, Keith David's like, it's, it's witchcraft, basically, and so is Rollo, but... Uh, fucking keeps like what? That can't be. That's not real. You are. You have a fucking magical cape, dumbass. There are like super villains and stuff happening in your city on a co- like, like commonly, yeah. and you're like, I don't believe in the boogeyman. Which, by the way, he says everything so laid back. Like you know, I don't people aren't getting killed the all the time. That's <laughs> so like he says that kind of stupid stuff, and it's like, well, okay, but you can understand why someone could because your cape has literal magic powers. So. Maybe just assume that some stuff you don't understand yet, and you're still trying to figure it out. Because, I mean, they know it's some kind of witchcraft or something, or they say witchcraft because they don't have a real name for it, because she's got no pulse and she's moving around, so there's something going on. And they just couldn't figure it out until they got her sitting down and, well, passed out, so they could do some research. Keith David's like, uh, it's, what is it, it's like a neurotoxin thing? He says it's a mix of a synthetic neurotoxin, like pufferfish. It causes paralysis and easily suggestive behavior. Which is found in sub-Saharan Africa, especially in Haiti, because apparently the writers of the show think Haiti is in Africa. Wow. And this is the point where I actually did in my notes. I'm, I forgot. I'm proud of myself. I said, are they are they circus people? So I started to figure it out. Oh my god, more. <laughs> Because they mentioned something about, like, you know... Well, I mean, the real or... the real tip-off there should have been if anyone's going to know about, like, neurotoxins at circus people. Um, of course. I mean, they're experts in yeah. that, right? Yeah, that's that goes without saying. Yeah, this but, uh, neurotoxin it creates persuasion, and that's how, like, they get all zombified. And, you know, she needs surgery, but, you know, oh not regular gosh. surgery. She needs a surgeon of the mind! So a neurosurgeon. <laughs> I mean, okay. This I have this. I have this several lines. It literally, she needs a doctor, Max, because the, the 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 cape is not having any of this situation where he's like, take her to the hospital, and then the other one's like, no, she needs a surgeon, a surgeon of the mind, <laughs> and then they have a guy come in, and like it's basically like a, a a magic show entrance where like he says a surgeon of the mind, and he like shows up from behind a curtain. It's so absurd. I mean, is that not how you he... enter rooms? Because that's how I enter rooms. <laughs> oh, okay. With a prepared statement. No, just saying, a surgeon of the mind and into every room. <laughs> and then watch my, my notes. I just have a random dude just showed up to go into her mind. <laughs> like, And he does. They, they, don't, they don't really question it. They just let him, they like move aside and let him do his thing. And it was just so dumb. And no one comments on the fact that, that there's basically going to be a woman dying here and no one thought to take her to the hospital. Like, she should go to a hospital. Laura, a hospital's not going to help. Like, honestly. This is magic shit happening. Oh, is it? I thought it was a neurotoxin. It's clearly a magic neurotoxin. It's all magic. Okay. It's all garbage. Okay. I couldn't they well, they're bringing up... This is the confusing part. Because times, it does seem like magic happens. Because at that point, I didn't know if he'd really died. And that was like a flashback to him, not his his family not seeing him. Which and would mean, like, a, what? Well, I don't even... I, I don't <laughs> it was even, a ghost. I still don't get... Okay, continue. I thought it was a ghost that only dead people, or dead people, or, like, also ghostly-ish people could see. Like, that was, I mean, Allah being human or something like that. So I thought that was, like, what the situation was, and I was very confused. But, like, regardless of that, like, that stuff exists. And then, when she's got this crazy thing going on where she's been brought back from the dead and has no pulse, they're trying to explain it away with science. And it's like, pick one. It's like, there are shows that do this, and they explain all of it away. It's the... I mean, I guess it's the fringe element of some. You mean good like shows, Laura? Yeah, <laughs> where it's like obviously things are magical, but there's or even X Files wise, where it's like you know there's some science involved in even the craziest of things. And this show does not seem to have any grasp on either, either genre. So they just decided to say fuck it and they'll make it both. Um, how so, can you um, say it doesn't have a grasp of either genre when they have a surgeon of the mind? 
God. That's like that's like medical <laughs> and mystical. He's literally just talking to her. That's the surgery he's giving her. I know. I and you didn't even get like a good scene where like he goes into her mind and like tries to fix. Even like Leverage has had more actual science like slash weirdness than this because they had a similar episode where you basically go in and have a guy who's like lucid dreaming and they fuck with his brain that way. Like this. There are some actual So you mean Inception. Yeah, and, like, there are ways you could do stuff like that even nowadays. I mean, it's a very ridiculous thing. Like, you have to be drugged up and everything. But, like, it would make more sense than just him holding her hand and talking to her. And uh, we're supposed to assume that he's fixing her that way. Why couldn't I'm just saying Inception there? ripped off the cape. <laughs> okay, all right. So, well, I'm glad you made your case for that name. But, like, sadly, after that scene, then we cut to Natalie Morales. And I was like, what? are the people on the show here for? Yeah, they're at City Hall dub, dub, where the Cape's what are you doing? dumb wife works and her colleagues, Mather Zickel and uh, Natalie Morales, are like, hey, let's be friends. And she's like, no, I want to grieve because my husband's dead. And they're like, fuck that. Let's go drink. Let's, let's go on a lawyer dinner date. and Where I'm going to, like, sexually harass you in front of Natalie Morales. What was that whole scene? So there She had to be in on that plan, too, because right? she was like, yeah. She caress was, her hand. She was right there. Threesome. Like, like, oh. Are they dating? Are they dating? No one's dating in this situation. Okay. Well, they make these terrible inside jokes about a judge that they all know. So it's very, very Who we've never watch. met, which is like so much fun. I'm like. So much fun to see yeah, in person like with people no we don't know. There's no life behind the laughter or jokes in this Well, scene. okay. So they're all. Gee, the cape's wife having no life behind some <laughs> part of her? You don't say. <laughs> but so this scene, they're all making, well, one, uh, the Mather Zickle's making jokes about the judge, and, like, he's, like, doing a really bar- terrible impression of the judge, or I guess it's a good impression. They're all saying, you don't know the judge is. It could be a good impression. Well, so the one girl says, you really missed your call. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, you're going to go that far that he should be an impressionist? But so he does a joke about how, how the judge acts to them, and it's like, they're all laughing hysterically at it. It's like, none of us, I mean, I had at that point not even seen all the shows, so I'm assuming... Maybe we haven't even seen this judge. I'm like, what are we supposed to be laughing at? We haven't even met this guy. At least show him in the beginning so we can get the joke. But there's no... It's so inside baseball. And so they're, all, like, cracking up. And then, after he gets her laughing, he reaches over and then just, like, sets his hand on her hand. And how long has her husband been dead? Uh, like... like how many... A month That's or two? way yeah, too soon. Like, it, yeah, it's barely a few yeah, months. Yeah, that's way too soon. I mean, obviously, like... She... like it was already way too soon for them to force her to come out to drink. Like, but, like, just to be like, time to try to fuck you. And he no. acts so weirded out when she gets creeped out. Like, she does react, like, really weird. Like, that's true. Like, she she does, like, get really, really intense about being upset about it. That's one thing. But, like, it also, like, they act very, very surprised that she decided to cut the dinner short. I'm like, well, you both just saw him lay his hand on her hand, correct? Why are you surprised that she's a little bit off-put by that? But she she just pieces out. Like, she doesn't even... She's, there's no subtlety to it. As soon as she pulls her hand away, she's like, I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> and then just leave. Which is rude, because she didn't pay for her drink. <laughs> yeah, she she should have left a 20 there or something, I guess. I don't know. What a dick. My, my important question, though, is if Louis LaFonda is there, where is the behind-the-scenes of the Cape Newsreaders episode? Oh, God, that'd be so fun so good so um then we get to, okay i have so many questions about the next scene too what you have questions so... mora <laughs> something new and fun you understand how to punctuate sentences by slapping barrels okay. <laughs> but so there's a scene with summer glow and she's she, she's put a feel around about trying to get more information about this whole 
Chandler thing, that whether or not Chandler's alive. They're like, let's just find out the truth. Because um, Conrad is supposed to be alive, the heir is supposed to be alive, and they, she wants, like, it's a tip line, essentially. And then she gets this, like, video message from a nurse. And, okay, I buy that she, I, I, I will suspend my disbelief by that a, a uh, you know, blogger slash hacker that's tech savvy will have a holographic style, um, you know, set up where she can watch videos with, like, a see-through monitor. Fine. I, I buy that 100%. It's, it's stupid, but whatever, I buy it. But how does the nurse that sends her the message have the tech to essentially Skype? record it? Is that what it is? Is this a Skype message? That's... Why would she send a Skype message? Does she know that this tech person... Or a video phone? FaceTime? Like, is she going to send that as the as a tip line message? Wouldn't she just still send a voicemail? Like, this is an older lady. This is Ileana Douglas. Like, Ileana Douglas doesn't necessarily know how to use Skype. Also, I mean... Uh... As we find out later, she's a zombie. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. She, she knows what fucking Brian Darling told her to know. Okay, so I guess that makes a little more sense. But I'm still, like, lost on how she was... Like, if you're going to send in a tip line, like, say, like, someone's been abducted and you're trying to send in a tip line, I'm not going to record a video message and send it to the police or whoever Well, then is. you're not getting Orwell on the case. <laughs> then how are they going to auto-tune you on the news? Oh, True. Uh, it's a, it's a real, it's a real, uh, it's a struggle. But so, so she sends that to Summerglow and Summerglow's like, oh my god, this nurse has information that, that Conrad Chandler was dropped off at a sanitarium when he was a baby and maybe I should check it out. That's... Which, like, question, how insane does a baby have to be to be committed to a right. sanitarium? <clears throat> There's already huge, that is one huge fucked up baby. to do with this whole plot, but she buys it and she decides to go see him. That's it. <laughs> there's no she doesn't do any research about the lady or the whole situation she just kind of goes which I guess is I don't know what Summer Cloud does or what she, she's she's into but like that seems like a really huge risk to do before trying to find out so what I know well, she's just, been working with Richard Schiff and I know she does some kind of tech blogging slash let's save that for the end just because I want to okay. tell you like the twist about her character please do I, I, I'm excited so um the licked uh, at that point, wants everyone to, what that well, they're back oh. with Janet. Well, actually, at this point, now we're, at, we're in mind surgery, which is literally him, him talking to her and just making her reliving like the, the past events. Yeah, and they're telling her that the Licked wants her to cooperate. It's very sad, and she seems very, very distraught because she's been like literally like drugged and and I guess abused. I don't know what happened when she was there. She just kind of got drugged and dragged there, but I think. Which she did not give consent for mind surgery. Yeah, so he's definitely messed with her brain. So that's definitely it's, it's she she's very very traumatized by the whole situation. So they're trying to pull her out of the uh, mind wipe or whatever happened. With and her. Keith, David, and the cape and Rollo are just like standing around like outside the room. They're just standing around. They're not doing anything. It's so weird. And so. <laughs> Oh, Nia, I just realized why you said that all currently slapped barrels. Because that's the point of my notes where he just randomly slapped a table for no reason. Like, Come back to me, barrel slap. It was the worst acting. I've, uh, th- I mean, this there's already that one scene that I said was really bad with the, uh, you know, with Rolo trying to say, what did she do? But, like, this is the terrible scene where um, the mind doctor slash surgeon is... Um, She's telling him that she was dragged, she was afraid. These are things that Janet is relaying to him through her brain. 
and then he says, come back to me, Janet, and slaps a, uh, and then, like, abruptly stops and slaps, like, a barrel table thing, because it's a carny, you know, that's just the vibe they're going for there, and he slaps Very it. Very rustic. And it, it definitely looks like it was improv, maybe, or something. I don't know. It just, it felt very, very awkward. Like, it didn't seem like the camera was ready to go show him slap it. It felt very, discon- <laughs> it was very disjointed and weird. But then, The camera was too busy being slightly tilted and not focused. I know. <laughs> and, um, so, it was just the timing felt really weird, too. Like, it, it felt like the scene went on a little bit too long. Like, they left that little tag on instead of editing it out. But then, they get the very important information trolley route 12 which is just like uh and then they decide to go well they go investigate it right but there's there's a scene where rollo is saying hail mary full of grace that i had to listen to like three times because it really doesn't sound like he's saying hail mary full of grace he just is like hail mary full of grace hail mary for grace and i was like what's happening and uh is it is it an abandoned tunnel is that what that is yeah like, okay. it's a trolley tunnel okay, tro- which I don't know what trolleys are on in tunnels. Are the trolleys in tunnels? In Palm City, they are. <laughs> most trolleys are like the whole thing is that they're on a wire outside. They're not in a tunnel. Mora, most people don't have sandbags in their pockets where they just blow <laughs> dust into people's faces. Why um, is this what you ha- take issue with? <laughs> Welcome to Palm City. Get with the goddamn picture. <laughs> That's just how things go in Palm City. I don't know. I I still think the the. the the, the whole pocket sand of it all, for those of you that have ever seen King of the Hill, it's it's so on the nose, it's it's almost impressive. But, um, so, they, they are, they're walking down this thing, obviously creeped out, because it looks like a, you know, abandoned, it is an abandoned tunnel, um, and a truck just comes flying well, After they read blast. that the trumpet shall sound, not the oboe, the trumpet, and the dead will be raised, and then, oh no, a truck, and none of them know how to run away? Well, I love that... Keith, Dave, and the Cape just run to the sides of the tunnel because clearly it's not like they're, it's not that much peril. But Rallo doesn't get that, so he just decides to run and then gets run over. And I got confused at first. So it is a truck. It's not a trolley, right? Or is it a trolley? That's a truck. So why would they think that lying like like flush against the wall stop them from being killed? The truck could just swerve and then scrape across. Them. It apparently works. <laughs> I thought that they were stupid enough to think it was a trolley, and they just laid they laid against the wall to try and stay out of the way, like you know, if a if a train's coming flying by. It wasn't wasn't that big of a truck that I was like gonna crush them. But it did sort of show up just when they got there, so I'm assuming it was meant to try and drive them away. I don't know. It was fleeing the scene. Yeah, so they they the truck's flying at them. They all go running. At this point, Conrad Chandler randomly flashes across the screen. I guess to let you know that's supposed to be him or something, or no. Oh, what, I don't even. I, I don't know what you're talking that about at all. Okay, so yeah, what are you the, talking about? Yeah, so this, the truck comes flying at them, and then in the bottom left-hand corner, in white, it just says Conrad Chandler. I so, never saw that. Uh huh. It did, yeah. does happen. So I don't know why that's there. I guess it's not him. Do we know who that is now? Or no? No. Do you guys know who I that don't is? know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Who like, was that supposed to be in the truck? Did we ever find that out? Just probably one of the zombies. Yeah. Okay. So I guess... So I don't know what you're talking about, like... No, well, it was just, like, it, it's, like, in a cryon on the bottom screen. Like, it just says Conrad Chandler. Like, it does, later on in the episode, it says the uh, record of birth at one point. Like, it has, like, little... Yeah. It has, like, it just says Conrad Chandler there for some reason over that truck scene. I guess we're supposed to know that this is coming from him. I, I need to, like, look at this clip right now because I'm so confused oh, by what you're even talking wait, about. wait, I think I know what you're talking about. That wasn't tied to the scene. That's, like, the Janet Peck. That was, like, the... The act break Chiron. Oh, was it the title card you're talking about? 
But why would they put it? I guess maybe because I was watching with that commercial, it felt like it was over that scene. Well, I don't. I know it's I'm very so confused confusing. by what you're even talking about. Besides, like the title card, because that's the next thing they show, like the black with Conrad Chandler. But I don't know anything here. Yeah, I got, I gotta figure this out. I would also just like to throw out there: God does not care about you, Rolo. He did not save you. <laughs> they really barely try and get out of the way, too. It's amazing. Okay, it is his title card. God damn but, it, Laura. But hold on, though. But it, it does it in, on a commercial break in between Rolo running from the truck. So why would they put that there? Because they have to open the act. Yeah, that's the, that's like, like the dramatic the moment act. they end on. That's the act opening. It's just the word Conrad Chandler? Because the act is the... all about Conrad Chandler. Uh, it cuts back to Rolo still running, That's though. just was... because the act ended with that cliffhanger. Okay. But the whole rest of the act is about Conrad Chandler. <laughs> I could not follow that at all. God damn it, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But it's a weird place. To, it, it should go after Rolo's away, and then it could be Conrad Chandler. But that's then, not, all... then it wouldn't be opening the act, and that's the whole point of the title card. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It just got very it got very convoluted for me. Because at times, like, the record of birth part felt like it was happening, I guess that's supposed to be the third act, but it felt so much later into the episode, so I don't know. It was weird. I thought that was on purpose. I was like, is that Conrad Chandler in the truck? Jesus Christ, Nora. <laughs> But so he's running away from the truck, then that's the next act starts, because um, we find out this is basically one of his zombies is trying to drive them away from the crime scene. Um, and then we find out that Rolo has a higher power helping him, aka his gross Ed Hardy-style crucifix around his Ew. neck. It was disgusting. Hence me saying, God does not care about you, Rolo. <laughs> yes. And then the cape decides to go to his former partner for information. Yes. And for the record, though, before that, they say this is the staging area for a terrorist attack. Like, if you didn't know, let me just spell it out for you. So there's Terrorist no zombies. Now that's a bad combination. Oh, good lord. It's it's like the most spoon-fed garb- like gobbledygook I've ever seen. So then um, they're, they, they, they basically decide that they're going to try and spray that same neurotoxin that Janet was killed with over top of everybody in the city. So everybody's zombies working for Comrade Chandler. Uh, yeah, the Founders Day parade. Right. Which then we just get, like, towns <laughs> stop throwing Founders Day events. If yes. I've learned yeah. anything from TV, it's that if you go to a Founders Day event, there's a sixty-five chance, sixty-five percent chance you're going to die. Yeah. Pretty much. Exactly. Um, and so, like, like Latoya said, he goes for help. Is this like an old buddy of his in the cop? It's his former partner. I, how does his former partner not know who he is? Welcome to the central question of the cape. How does his dumb child and wife not know who he is, Mora? Oh, they don't That's know a either? That's question, too. No. Yeah, I didn't no. see them and I didn't see them with him this episode. He, yeah, he doesn't interact with him with this episode, but yeah, he never changes his voice. What the fuck? I mean, like, if anybody should know, too, it would be your partner, right? Like, Especially when you're, you're like, son. right in the backseat of the car, and he's like, you can see your eyes and your chin. Unless he thought and it was Robert you. Buckley. That's the only other potential thing I could re- think. <laughs> But, like, honestly, if you're a... I mean, the wife and the son is also weird, but, like... Although the wife especially, too, because... Are you telling me they've never had sex with the lights out? Like, she's never recognized his voice? Like, this is... That's all, like, shady to me. But, like, a cop partner... They only have sex on kitchen <laughs> tables because they like their eggs fertilized. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a real welcome, scene, by mate. the way, in this show. God, that is a real disgusting. scene. It is a flashback to a sexy times breakfast conversation. He asks how... Or she asks, how do you like your eggs? And he goes fertilized <laughs> so he likes to eat dead dead like egg babies like, yeah what is he trying to say because i know the joke is i guess that he's trying to say he wants to put a baby in her but there <laughs> are definitely eggs with like dead chicken <laughs> like, fetuses in them that's happened 
to a lot of people, they've found dead fetuses in their 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 chicken eggs. So this gross. has been more a talk about <laughs> fertilized eggs. Super Is that what you do on weekends? Do you like search for <laughs> fertilized eggs? Of course, I'm like super into fertilization, but no, I, I just don't know how like that's. It sounds like a really gross thing to do because it'd be like a dead dead chicken Stop baby it. in your like. Um, you're killing me okay so like that's disgusting um but like the cop partner especially they must have gone undercover or something at some point like they've never like had to see each other in different costumes or something like you know (laughs) everyone is dumb (laughs) really yeah i mean that's i buy that for some superheroes that's the through line of the show everyone is dumb and some superheroes have obviously batman just has a cow like obviously there are definitely people who are you have to suspend your disbelief because it's a little bit much. But this just feels extra ridiculous because he's, like, seeking out this cop buddy and, like, talking to him about very specific he, types of plans. So, like, my buddy, like... Oh, no. His buddy is... Well, it was his buddy, his best friend, but he was also a crooked cop who helped, like, frame him for this whole murder. Oh, like, is he? Yeah. Yeah, I that's how that. he became chief of, the, uh, chief of police, basically, because he worked for Chess, Gross. James Frayne. So it's so like it's just like R.I.P.D. all over. Again. So he, he's garbage, and basically uh, the cape's like, well, I'm gonna try to get to whatever soul you have, like just to make you feel guilty all the time. So the cape is basically Ryan Reynolds, right? <laughs> like that's the basic vibe because it's R.I.P.D. What? all over again. Because the exact same plot happens in R.I.P.D. For the record, <laughs> um, he can't be Ryan Reynolds because there's no Hello Joyce moment here. Oh, Hello Joyce! It didn't get that far. <laughs> there's not enough phone conversation. I wish there was a Hello Joyce moment in the show. That'd be great. Well, they wouldn't recognize his voice. That that makes a lot of sense. They'd be like, "Hello, are you there? <laughs> uh, Hello, Joyce." Um, so the, uh, this is, I mean, another scene where the cop doesn't understand him, doesn't understand why he's there, which is like, once he explains himself, shouldn't you be like, I get it, you want to save people, but the cop still seems like, why should I care if everyone's going to die? It's well, like, J. Jonah Jameson still thinks Spider-Man's evil, so. Yeah, I guess that's true, but, oh, God. And so the cop seems absolutely, like, you know, because, I mean, for the record, he goes to his car in a His nice garage. new Cadillac, by the way. Because, well, yeah, he's corrupt. And then uh, the cape is just sitting in the back seat and just like, hey. I'm it's such a ripoff of Batman sometimes. It's so Well, it's, again, staggering. he's not doing a voice at all. He, he, there's no deep voice. There's no, hey. It's like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has like a gravelly voice naturally, I guess. But it's still, it's so dumb. And the, the cop is just sort of like, oh. I can't do this. I can't, or, no, the he says to put your hands up. I'll shoot your skinny ass. He says that, and then the cape slash the guy who is the cape. I don't even know his real name. Says I can't do this alone. I'm like that's not a very cape crusader kind of. Doesn't thing he to say, say he can do this alone? No, I think he says he can't. I I went I went back because okay. I was trying to like just go look uh, double check something. But yeah, he said I can do this alone. Oh, I don't okay. want to. Basically, okay, that makes a little more sense because I thought he said I can't do this alone. And I'm like, you shouldn't admit that because that makes you like a, a really worthless superhero. He is a worthless is. superhero. Oh, but, he's, like, I mean, he's the most worthless superhero. And like, obviously, like you know, Batman having like allies to help him—that's cert—that certainly makes sense. But like, this is a cop. You don't admit that to the cop. You admit that to your other colleagues in the you know superhero saving business, not the cop. Maybe, maybe Gordon, but not him. So anyway, so uh, the the cop is just sort of like, oh, I'm like over you. I'm I'm not really into this, and like. I, I think the cape is going to try and instigate a plan, even though the cop doesn't want to help. Well, the cape says, I mean, the cop says he doesn't want to help, but he immediately goes to help. James Frayne and be like, well, this is what the cape says. But James Frayne's like, no. But 
it seems like he's gonna blow him off, although we find out later on he's not. But I don't yeah. know if the cape also noticed that. Maybe he assumed well, he was gonna blow him off. The cape's too busy being dumb. Yeah. But then Meanwhile, we get... speaking oh of God. dumb, his, his dumb wife, wife is uh, just like Hysterical. caressing her pillow at home, crying, talking to herself, saying, "I wasn't flirting. I wasn't flirting." And then she says something about how he, how the cape was always so damn jealous. I'm like, yikes. Worried about that right there. That's. That's a warning flag right there. Yeah. I mean, she's freaking out about a hand caress. That's what I was going to say. That's a warning flag right there. She is, like, hysterical over basically a guy grabbing her hand. And I'm not trying to act like, like, it could probably be pretty jarring for that to happen. It was probably the first time it's happened. I get it. We're clearly on her side when it comes to grieving, and they shouldn't have, like, forced her to go out to drink anyway. Yeah, but then it also becomes, like, a little bit over the top because she's sort of, like, it, it, she acts like she slept with somebody, the way she's sobbing over this, like, pillow where he used to sleep, and she's just like, I'm, I'm not betraying you! It's like, well, I know how dead. jealous you got! He's dead! Yee. Like, don't, I mean, be upset at the guy who touched your hand, not your dead husband, you know? Like, or yourself. Like, don't blame anybody else for that creep. But, um, so, the next scene, too, is, this is the scene we were talking about before, with the, you're a woman, question mark scene? Where Summer Glau shows up to talk to the, um, I guess, she is a nurse, although that becomes, it's very hinky, whatever the hell her actual job is. She is a nurse. Is she a nurse? Yeah, he he made the staff zombies. Okay. I wasn't sure if she was still a nurse or she was, like, his personal assistant or something, but that makes more sense. So so he's, she walks into the room, there's obviously a guy who's, like, you know, in need of a nurse, um, and she is, lets him in, at first being shocked that Summer Glau is a woman. Why is she shocked? Why? Because everyone thinks Orwell's a dude, and even, again, Summer Cloud never's like, nope, I'm Orwell. She's like, I'm Claire Woodhouse, or, or Carrie Woodhouse. It's like, that's not her name either. Jesus. And then she asked her if the claim she made was true, which is obviously saying that Conrad Chandler's alive, and she's like, of course it is. It's an anagram. And, and that's when she got a little bit closer, and I realized it was Ileana Douglas, because up until that point, it was a little bit, she was, like, either in that tiny little blip. It was, your, it was your face blindness. Yes. Well, she had the, just the, video, the tiny little video blip, and then other times she was, like, all the way across the room. But then once she gets closer, I'm like, Ileana Douglas? I was like, no! <laughs> and, um, I do recognize <laughs> How many voice. times did you say no, no in this episode of television? How many times was... did you say Ileana Douglas? Question mark! <laughs> um, so, and then she, she says, I work for Orwell's Watching. I was like, that's the worst name for anything I've ever heard in my life. Like, is that, like, her, her, like, Blogger it's her blog. Okay. Good lord. And so, um, the, she walks into the room, and the guy is immediately a weirdo. Are we supposed yeah, to understand this guy? Like, the way he talks and, like, riddles. He looks and... like a lizard. It's Glenn Fitzgerald, uh, a.k.a. Brian Darling from Dirty Sexy Money, because yeah. just, like, this whole episode is just saying, no, why is anyone in this episode? <laughs> why? why is anyone in this show? And, and she like, walks in. My legs first... don't work too well, which yeah. of course means obviously his legs work well. Of which course, we'll see. yes. Uh, but she walks in, and the first thing he so says, this is, "Yellow room." This the first thing he she, he says to her is, "That window, it has a breeze. It makes no sense, no. and it's all vague nonsense from that." Welcome forward, to the Cape. Much. We make no sense. <laughs> yep. And um, then, oh. I would also like to offer my interpretation of what he looked like, which is a dead body that's been floating in a river for twelve hours. <laughs> That's yes. what that man looks like to me. Well, he he is. It's he common. looks like uh, in the first X Men movie, the senator after he's like yes! a mutant. That's what absolutely he looks like. where he's trying to like transition into mutant. Yeah, like when he's not. like beached. Yeah, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that's so true. Oh, God, that's... Ooh, oh, it's upsetting. <laughs> it's like he's You're melting. Welcome. It is like he's melting. And um, so she walks in. He's talking about like there's some breeze at a window, which she's like, what? 
And then he talks about how, um, they, it was so weird, he brings up the lint, I guess the, the idea is that it's supposed to be, like, yeah, obviously a play on his own, if it, if he is Conrad Chandler, he's commenting on his own disappearance in, the, in Through the Lindbergh Baby, where he says, uh, everyone calls it a tragedy, but I don't see what the tragedy is. 20 months with the people that you love? That wouldn't be a tragedy to me. That wouldn't be a tragedy at all. Like, that's creepy. Womp, womp. And, and it's also, like, I guess you're supposed to get, like, he that's him confirming he's Conrad Chandler, but he hasn't really said as much. He's just sort of being vague about it. But, um, she kind of walks toward him to talk about it. And, like, not even, like, hits a paper. Like, grazes past a, a stack of, like, he has stacks of paper in his room, a la Leslie Nope. And it's, it's also hoarding buried alive. Right, right. And so he's just like, what is happening? And freaks out at her, like, yells at her, like, those papers are stacked a very certain way, please don't. And then she's like... She just, like, fucking steps on him. She, like, keeps doing things he tells her not to do. I know. And then she basically... I mean, my, my notes are just like, you're Conrad. You need to leave. And yeah. that's, like, the basic she conversation. Is just, she is asking for some pocket powder. And this is... Oh, my God. Um, and so then this this scene is basically... I mean, to me, I, in my notes, I have this episode. It's, like, learning a different language. And I have, I have the uh, I have the basics of, like, how to conjugate, but I still can't have a conversation. So I'm like, I have no idea what they're saying. But he is... As the scene goes forward, he is on, on purpose very... Um, cryptic. Cryptic and weird mm-hmm. and enigmatic. So, um, But there is intermission, of course, from all the, <laughs> the insanity, because we also have to see... The cop in the cape just at the trolley place for a second. And it's just like, I tuned that out completely. It wasn't really much anything. You want a piece of me anytime, cop? (laughs) But. Except right now, lol. (laughs) (laughs) And we have Rollo back uh, at Carney Camp. And Janet's like lucid enough to say, ghost stories are real, Rollo. Sometimes (laughs) the dead do walk among us. Act break. Then we have. The next act, which is record of birth. Well, before that, there's a scene also where someone, I think, I think it's the cape says, whoever made that, that neurotoxin really knows his stuff. <laughs> Fuck the show. Like, what, what do you know about it, the cape? Yeah. And then I also had a question about Frayne, because they also cut to James Frayne while he's, t- well, they're talking to, it's, this is when the cop first, before Yeah, the that's act. the next, that's the scene yeah. right after that. Uh, yeah. He act. threatens, he, not threatens, he tells the cop, he, the cop tells Frayne that um, shit's gonna go down. And Frayne's kind of like, parade. who cares? And I, I had questions about his office. Is it like an empty warehouse room in like a skyscraper with just one desk and a, a long reading conference table? That's it. Like in the yep. corner of the entire That's how you office. know he's evil. That and his Birdman hallucinations. It's so weird. And, oh, you uh, mean his Norman Osborn hallucinations? Oh, God. God, how great would James Frayne be as Norman Osborn, though? <laughs> um, so, uh, so they, they're just... Again, I feel like this show had no idea, like, what anything was. Like, this is original! Frame, uh, confu- he refuses to be threatened, and then, um... Which is, he's not even being threatened! No, nope. he just says, I refuse to be threatened. And then, um, uh, they go it's back like... to, uh, the... The clinic. The, is it a clinic? Okay, it's a clinic. I wasn't sure, it looked like his own apartment, too. Like, it's... What kind of clinic allows someone to hoard that many newspapers? Uh- Again, he's made everyone zombies. <laughs> but yeah. it is, it's, she should be inc- incredibly on, her, on edge the minute she walks in. Because I'd be like, this is highly suspect. Because what 
even a nursing home, which ostensibly would let you kind of live out your days and doing whatever the fuck you felt like, they're going to have a little more to say about how you keep your room, you know? Like they, Not has, when you're in a garbage city like Palm City. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. But it's like, I mean, stacked high to the ceilings like uh, of uh, random piles of newspapers with like Lindbergh babies on the cover. Well, look, she didn't care because they had to have some nice orphan bonding times. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm an orphan too. <laughs> Damn it. And um, she, he says to her, you're not in my plan. I rely on my plans. I rely on all my plans, and you're not in it. It's just... That's the kind of conversation they're having. Like him saying these kinds of, like, cryptic nonsense, like, gobbledygook. And so, um, uh, she tells him, like, look, you could stop it. Okay, I'm gonna need to quote some of these lines almost verbatim, because they're so <laughs> insane. But she's like, you could stop all of this from happening. She's kind of intimating that he, she knows about the whole plot. I guess she's talking about the same plot, right? The, to take over the parade? Uh, no, she's talking about, like, the prison... Yeah, the port takeover. The narco-terrorist way station. So this is even more convoluted, because you would assume that if he's got the zombies that are going to take over the parade, you'd think that she's referring to that, but I guess she wasn't. So, either way, he has an evil she plan. She doesn't know about that, because neither she nor the cape listen to their goddamn voicemails. So the next scene, the cape's like, hey, Orwell, I have some questions about this Chandler character. Maybe you should call me back. But she's like, nope, I'm going to talk to him myself. She couldn't wait for him to respond to her voicemail. That explains a lot, too, because I was very... Because they never actually say yeah, how she, much he knows she or how much she knows. She left him a voicemail before she left her place for the clinic. Okay. Yeah. All right, that just, makes a little more... Yeah. But yeah. so, she's talking to him, and she's saying, you could stop it. I guess he, she means the even bigger plan, whereas take over the whole city. And he's, she's like, you could... Tr-. And then she sees all these, like, these sketches of, like, um, he's made, like, blueprints of buildings and, like, architectural stuff that he likes, I guess? Uh, question mark? You never understood that, either. He just happens to be a really good drawler or architect or something. And she sees that, and she's like, you could stop all of this. You could turn these blueprints into real places. And then he responds He's... to her with, like, some, I mean, I, I, I mostly took this down verbatim. I might have paraphrased very, very lightly. But he says, that's unkind. I have spinal degeneration from the beatings. I have tremors from the restraints they put me in at night. I have bad vision, two charcoal pencils, and a torn hospital bracelet. But I have no illusions. To be an heir, one has to be born, and I wasn't. Listening to that was was absolutely like nails on chalkboard. I don't understand any of it. It's it's Shakespeare. It really does. I mean, this episode (laughs) did not feature Scales. Uh, Scales (laughs) is a unexplainedly reptilian gangster played by Vinnie Jones, who recurs during the show. So good. And let me read you some of my favorite Scales lines, and these are all from one scene. Are one of is one of the lines just him eating cake? No, we'll get to that later. Um, This is all from one scene with Scales in a different episode. You interrupted lasagna night, and I like lasagna. (laughs) I'm a dock worker with low blood sugar. If I want financial advice, I'll ask my accountant, not flower girls. Quiet, or I'll (laughs) amputate your tongues. Huh, nimble little gnome, isn't he? All from one scene. God damn it. I mean... Vinnie Jones is great, so, I mean, I'm sure he's still a great character, oh, but that's Oh, it's delightful insane. because of how batshit insane it is, like every other facet of this show. And honestly, I almost feel like that the casting of Conrad Chandler would be better with someone who's a little more... The guy who plays him, you said from Jerry Sexy Money, I don't know much else he's been in, but he's very plain looking. Um, he and has a very thing, like, quarterback His character from Dirty Sexy Money, uh, I guess you would technically think he kind of is perfect casting for this character just because, like, he was an heir, and he's a huge, like, he's just a fucking bastard on that show, and it'd be great, but he has to, like, be playing this bullshit for, like, the whole episode until it's, like, revealed, hey, 
I've so been playing you. He must be. Um, it must be a performance thing then, maybe, because it just doesn't feel very... Like, this. these are the types of... I read out what I said before, that that's unkind bunch of nonsense. That's the kind of stuff when... if Even, like, James Frain, for God's sakes. Like, if you have an arch person playing it, it could be really, like, ridiculous and it would be fun. But he just is so boring. Like, he says it like he's falling asleep while he says it, practically. Because this guy is, well, like... Well, because he can't walk so well, <laughs> as we all know. Yes. And so she has, and then in response to that, instead of like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Because, I mean, honestly, when he says I have two charcoal pencils on a torn hospital bracelet, I was like, that is, ins- that is like literally like someone writing poetry as a, as a 13 year old. But, um, so she says hey, to him. Hey, don't and- <laughs> read my Zanga. <laughs> oh, yeah, your dead journals. Um, so he, so he, um, he is basically saying like, fuck off, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with being this nobody because that's just how my life then- has always been. But She's she like, pulls out, boom. Look here, record of birth. Which is that exactly different from a birth certificate? I don't know. I have no idea. But <laughs> I'm it, like, is, is that. Why are they specifically saying record of birth and it says record of birth? I swear to God, what if is it this, is. The show. If it's not different, which I don't even think it really necessarily is, or it could probably be used for the same reason, it's really looks like a literal version of, like, this is trying to superheroify basic like plots like it, it's it's just basic concepts like birth certificates yeah it's like saying instead of a birth certificate it's a record of birth <laughs> it's just dumb and um <laughs> so she pulls that out and she's like it matches that torn hospital bracelet it's like oh shit and he's just like kind of been he's been like exposed to be conrad chandler at this point because it says his name on there and she says, and he says to her then, he literally quotes Tolstoy, that's how ridiculous this is. And he says, you know that feeling of when you're on a train, you see the train next to you start moving, but it's not really moving? You're the one move. You're the one that's moving? You're moving. I didn't plan for this. Like, that is such well, a thing. Way. He's going Tolstoy, but like, how would he know about that feeling of a train moving Well, anyway? that's the first thing she says to him is, have you been on a train? <laughs> because this guy has been confined to a chair. And, uh, from what you can understand, never left the sanitarium. Like, it's a very on-purpose kind of... Even the other stuff from before, where it's like... Wait, know, why do you think he never left the sanitarium? You thought he was in that truck earlier. <laughs> oh, that's true. But, but, but I mean, it's it's confusing because he's acting like he's never left. Or he's he's acting to her yeah, like based he's never... on the like based on what he's portraying at this moment, he's never left. He has a very... I'm trying to think of what the, the equivalent is. It's, it's a very, like, um... Shit, I don't know what it really would be, but it's sort of like he's been trapped in a, a tower up a. It's like he's Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Like he's basically acting like he's Rapunzel, or the equivalent of that from other. There's probably some other version of, or I'm mean, even like a, a bell kind of thing, where it's he had a life as a 20 month old or whatever it was, or newborn, but then he's just been here ever since, and he's just sort of he's very resigned. To, he's seeming very resigned to the fact that he will never experience these things, and she's talking about stuff that he's just trying to like intimate that he's. He's not that person. And then she kind of proves he is. And he's just like, I didn't plan for this. And uh, he says, <laughs> oh, no, it's a... Uh, and she says, have you ever been on a train? Which is such a hilarious... I don't... I, again, I don't think that was even meant to be, like, a joke. But it's, it is a joke. Like, it makes, it makes shows fun of... a joke. It makes fun of the, the quote from Tolstoy. Like, saying, have you ever been on a train? It's, it's stupid because... Uh, it's just... It's dumb. And so he says, <laughs> Tolstoy... And then this is the point where she's like, I'm an orphan too! And they, they really bond over the orphan stuff. And, um... <laughs> they I guess to- now's as good a time to, to talk about the orphan stuff. So they're both orphans. Yes, she's an orphan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's revealed who her parent is later in the sh- show. Or, uh, yeah, later in the show, right, Nate? Yeah. 
I think like it's the, the finale. End, yeah, finale. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Her father is James Frain. Oh, I thought that's that's that works. That absolutely tracks. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> Where, how does your mind go there, Mora? <laughs> because I could I could see that. I mean, it's decent casting because they look vaguely similar, so I could buy it. But it's that's stupid because the whole point is that she's kind of anti him, right? So also the age difference. How old was he when he had her then? Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Well, James Frain does have, like, that really... He had to have been... You had to really, like, play up his age then. He, they really didn't. He would have this. had to be 14 when he had her. Yeah. Well, they're troubled, I guess. You know, he's a troubled kid. She's a troubled kid. But, um, no, they could have played up that he was older than he really is, but they didn't do that at all. He acts just like another, she, you know, late She's 30s. supposed to be, I guess, like like a kid. One of those street punks. Yeah, she's a, she's a youth. And I'm sorry, like, honestly... From the movie Summer, Hacker. Summer Glau still looks great for her age, but she's not going to be she's playing... She's 33, it's okay. Yeah, and, and she's not going to be playing, like, teenagers anymore. Like, yeah. She's no like Bianca Lawson. Exactly. Yeah, she's no Bianca Lawson. And what if Bianca Lawson had played Orwell? <laughs> what if Bianca Lawson had played The Cape, I think you mean? Oh my god, yes. this would be a much better show. Oh, man. Jesus we found Christ. a way to bring The Cape back, you guys. <laughs> Five more seasons to go, plus <laughs> yeah, the movie. Right. Yes. Um, so, then we get back to, uh, Rolo staging up the, the... The mausoleum. The mausoleum yeah. place. Like, fucking and, Aztecs. Mm-hmm. The it's cop so actually bad. calls, uh, the cape for... Say, we found the truck. Well, it's we cannot breathe over this scene, LaToya, because this is what Well, the rest does. of the scene is him calling back, wait. uh... Uh, Orwell. But wait a minute. At first, there was a completely pointless exchange. This is what the, kind of sums up the whole show to me, is that he's standing there and Rolo's next to him, and his, his phone buzzes, but it's an earpiece. And it buzzes. Like, just a buzz on the table. Anyone who's ever heard a, a smartphone or a Bluetooth, it just does a basic vibrate buzz. And then Rolo goes, what the hell is that? And he's like, dude, relax, it's my phone. Like, that, why is that scene in there? And then he answers his phone. There's no point to the buzzing. It doesn't come back into play. It literally is just to tell you that Rolo doesn't understand the concept of a vibrating phone. Like, I don't know why they included it. It seems like a completely pointless scene, and it really just makes all the characters so much more unlikable to me. <laughs> just, it made me furious. But um, he, gets a, he gets a tip from the cop that, you know, things are about to go down, and I found out where things are, or something, something, something. And so he shows up to try and intervene as the cape at this point. And he's, he's promptly um, ambushed by cops. It's a trap. Because he's <laughs> a fucking idiot. And he's arrested. And um, there's a terrible scene also following that where he's in the backseat of the cop car. And uh, his partner tosses, again, not recognizing him as his partner, uh, tosses him the keys. He says, lose the cuffs. And then he holds them up, like, into the rear view mirror so you can see that he's already taken them off. Like, the douchiest asshole I've ever... Like, why would they the make me... He's wearing unlikable. that, like, dungeon master cape. He's already a douchey asshole. And they make him so unlikable, though. Like, there's so many cute ways to show that you've gotten out of handcuffs. That's... Again, I, I keep going by leverage. Like, he shouldn't be cute at all. Nothing about his character should be cute or laid back or, like, snarky. He should be fucking pissed at all times, honestly. Right, yeah. and the, but, like, there are ways... I mean, I, I brought up leverage, too, because they, they are constantly getting out of handcuffs there, and other shows do the same thing, where they're just constantly breaking out of handcuffs. 
think Vampire Diaries does it too a lot. Like, if you get arrested a lot, you're going to break out of handcuffs a lot. And that's that's totally a fine scene to have him... In fact, the joke of him already getting out is like, you, you underestimated, uh, underestimated me. That's great. It makes sense because that's kind of the vibe they're going for is that they think that the cape is a joke. Which, even though he is. Um, but, like... Why would he hold them up and he, like, swings them, like, he, he, And it's just, like, this is the superhero we're supposed to be rooting for is a guy who's basically just, like, like sticking his tongue out at a, a cop, even though the whole city's about to go down and, and die. Like, it was so... I mean, there's a super crooked cop. Yeah, but it was... Like, <laughs> it really was the equivalent of him sticking his tongue out, I think. Mm-hmm. Way he, the way nah, he, nah, 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 nah. he forms that scene. And it was just... There are ways to do it much better. In fact, it, would much, it was so simple if he just snapped them in half. Like, like mm-hmm. snapped them open and he just hold them up as like two bracelets that would have made more sense and then he could have just sat there and uncuffed them literally using the the thing but like it, it felt very indicative of the type of character he is that that's the way he acts even when everyone's in peril like serious mortal peril the whole city's about to die as far as he's concerned and he's making jokes like this like it was so dumb and um something about this <laughs> show being dumb no what and then um this is so funny because the next scene is like the parade starts in two hours yeah he's like the parade starts in two hours the problem with making the parade the whole like you know last act like you know stage of everything is that at the end of the day you have a a a tough corrupt cop and then this tough superhero talking about a parade and it's not very threatening because it's a parade don't rain on their parade it's just not waka waka thank you LaJoya but it could have yeah. been. It could have been anything besides the parade. It would be a lot more threatening. But adding the parade cape, to it all is just dumb. the cape realizes they're not going to use the truck thing, so they're like going to use a parade float, right? That's what yeah. they figured. Jesus Christ! So they well, go back to the trolley place. He says something vague again, where it's like it's the thing that's already there. It's in place, or blah blah blah. There's something that belongs there, yeah. Yeah, it was so dumb. Because nothing that belo- doesn't belong there is going to get in. So one more riddle for the road. Yeah, and then they show up and try and figure out what which one of the parade floats it is i guess they don't know that part i don't know which one do they even know which one it was going to well, be they, they then they come across one that has that sentence about like where the water meets the land which is dumb <laughs> so <laughs> sure basically God damn so it. yeah okay so the cape beats like fights this old man but i guess because he's a zombie he's super strong is that what we're meant to believe i think I the cape's just weak the, the cape sucks well, at beating up an you- old man I buy that a little bit in in the sense that Janet clawed her way out of her coffin, so at least you're supposed to meant you're meant to understand they have some kind of like you know manic strength or something. Maybe not. I don't know. Janet was on the client list. She's real good with those hands. Hmm. Waka waka. Yeah. So they fight. Well, they fight Sandman slash his lackeys. There's a couple guys there in addition to him that are doing nothing. They're just standing around guarding it. Just stand around with pocket powder. Yes. So yeah, then like everything's yeah. intercut. We have yeah. uh, Chandler being like, "Kidnappers didn't bring me to this place. My mother did." And so talking about skin of the dead. And then Gross. pale and tall is like, it turns out he's been dosed himself. And then it turns out that Chandler is the lick, and he removes his face. He peels his fucking face off. He like he pulls a Mission Impossible too. Which, quite frankly, if that was a skin mask. Couldn't he get one that didn't look like it was on a dead right? body? I don't know. It was all dumb. And Ileana Douglas is also a zombie. And then Summer Glau gets pocket yeah. powdered. And apparently Pale and Tall was like the medical director of the facility. So like the whole facility has been zombified. And so when he's saying that, that his mother brought him there and they'd like do a close up of Greta Chandler and whoever Chandler, are we supposed to know who that is or something? 
besides the founders, it just means the that, founders. like, he doesn't want to, like, just take, like, the city back. He wants to fucking destroy the city because he's pissed at his parents. Okay. So that's, I wasn't sure if yeah. we'd already known those characters, though, that if we're supposed to be like, because <gasps> they zoom in on the names. Like, I already know his name's Chandler, you dumbass. <laughs> like, why are they showing us this? But that makes yeah. more sense. He's just a poor little rich boy. Pretty much. And so he he kind of just does, like, the, well, it is also a really gross scene where he where they, they zoom in on that and they show the two names. And there's, like, a fly on the paper. So it's just, you're supposed to understand. I guess it's supposed to be like, now everything's like. It's their breaking bad moment. But it's, I guess it's also supposed to be like, he's basically decaying or whatever, because he's, and he looks gross without his skin. It's not like he peels off his face and there's another face. He peels off his face and he's like, disgusting. Like, he's a monster. And I guess that's supposed to be what the baby was born to look like, because he says like, when my mother saw me, she never stopped screaming or something stupid. And uh, then the cape, of course, before Summer, well, as Summer Cloud's getting dosed, he's like, we missed it. We missed everything. So yeah, did they did miss the cards. whole parade thing? Or they stopped that, though? No, the parade is still, that's still the target. They missed the whole Chandler situation. Okay, well, they, they saved this the guy parade. They missed who the Lich really is. At least they saved the parade. What's, what's, he, conf- what's he so no, concerned they about? They most likely have not saved the parade. Oh. <laughs> this is, this is too There's a part two, Mora. So does everybody at the parade get dosed? I don't remember. You'll have to watch part two to find oh out. Oh my god, never. And I want to go back for one second, too, to that fight scene. I don't know if anyone's ever seen, I've been watching, um, there's a YouTube thing called Every Frame of Painting from Tony Zhu, and he, in general, he just, you know, reviews movie stylistic um, decisions through directing and stuff, and he did a great thing about Jackie Chan's fighting style, where you see him land all the punches, and he, te- like, the way that they telegraph this fight scene is so poorly done, because it's so, the like, jarbled, like, you can't tell who's hitting who, everyone, like, the, the camera's being knocked back and forth. And it's just not very compelling because it just seems like a bunch of people wrestling. It doesn't even seem like people actually landing punches. And for those of you that watch wrestling, they actually land their punches. So I don't even know why we're watching this. And it's just like... <laughs> Do you want to be watching wrestling right now more? Well, I mean, it's, it's an insult to me that they act like this is such, like, intense, like, he's a superhero, essentially. And they're having this big, like, like smackdown, dragout fight. And they can't even land a goddamn punch. Like, I mean, obviously he's supposed to be landing punches, but you don't see it happen, so you don't really feel the impact. Like, the whole point is... I'll, I'll link in the description the Jackie Chan one. It, it's so much more powerful when you see at least one solid punch. Like, they don't do a single... And I guess it's because he's an older guy, and they don't want you to feel like, the, you know, the cape beating him up might look really bad. But, I mean, there's two other guys that are younger they could easily like, beat the shit out of, and they don't. So it's like... This whole episode leads up to the scene where he confronts them and fights them, and you don't even really see him fight them. You see him, like, whip a cape around. <laughs> you see him, like, run into people and then fall to the ground. You see him teleport. Yeah, and you see them, like, and he tries to get the sand blown in his face. He doesn't. And, he, like, they're they're on the ground rolling around, and he obviously knocks them out, but you never see him land the punches. And it's something you don't notice as it's happening, because it's all happening in a very quick, like, intercut. That's a very, that's how a lot of, action scenes are shot nowadays is that this is not the only show that does this basically a lot of shows do that but or shows in in movies even but like when you see people land punches it's so much more impressive and this is just i I, it was never more noticeable to me than this scene basically other movies that do this at least they attempt to make it look like he lands a punch here it's like the camera was basically shaking as they were like rumbling against each other and you're supposed to assume that somebody knocked the other person out and because he lands on the ground, you're obviously the cape, like, in quotation marks, wins. But then, we again, they take away the entire, like, um, all of the conflict was, the, you know, him confronting them. And all the jeopardy was based around that scene. And the very next second, it's like, well, it was all for nothing because it's really not even over yet. And I guess it's a two-part episode, but 
it's not it's not a very good two-parter because you're supposed to be like dun dun dun. I mean, Summer Glau being passed out the dun dun dun, but like you he still defeated them technically. So it's like what? No more. You were clearly confused by what how it ended. Well, I was that confused in the sense like I thought that. I thought that they just stopped everything now, and that it was going to be all about getting that other dude back from, like, doing it himself. And to find out that the, the plan is still even going to go through regardless of those three guys it, like, getting beat down was... Because the main guy, like, they, who they catch, they caught two flunkies and the old guy. There were clearly still a lot of people in that cold. Yeah. So there's any... There's other ways to get people into right. the parade with the the poison yeah and i guess i'm just, i was more confused because i thought that the float was the main source of how they were going to get it there and him stopping the float would stop at least the parade part of the plan but apparently it's not so it's just like oh god now we're just there's other stuff that's not even finished yet if there's no i mean obviously it's a two-part episode but there was no resolution to the whole episode we watched it was just sort of like build up build up build I'm- up yeah and then we'll have to watch more build up next time i'm guessing because there's still unless they is the and you said you've seen this, so I don't know. But does the scene with the parade happen immediately, or it probably happens at the end? I literally do not remember, but <laughs> I, I, I think it makes sense that there's build up, build up, build up in the first part of an episode. Uh, so two parters. I don't know why that's like the problem right here. Well, I, to me, usually I don't know. I would I would have preferred to see some kind of resolution, and then there's also a problem, but there's like just nothing at all. I don't know. I th- this episode felt very. There was resolution in which they found out who the lick was. That's true. I that's probably the best part mm-hmm. of it, at least. But even that was felt like it, it was. It was so obvious. I, I thought it was so telegraphed. He was licked, but I guess not. But he's like a weirdo in a hospital who's never left his room. It just anybody who's seen a, a single superhero movie is gonna know this guy's up to something. And I guess again, that's just the the, the creators not knowing well, enough about superhero stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, no one involved in the show has clearly ever seen a superhero thing, so... That should be the first, like, oh, a guy who's, like, like alone and, like, isolated and a little bit weird and, like, talking about Tolstoy all the time. Like, I wonder if he's got, like, a weird death wish and, like, hatred of his parents. Hmm. Because like, that's, like, basically every supervillain ever. And they don't think that's going to be obvious it's him. The only thing that's less obvious is that James Frain actually has nothing, well, nothing directly to do with it, kind of, right? Or does he? No. Yeah, so that's the only shocker, is like, ooh, surprise, he actually isn't involved in this other major huge plot against the city. But, um, well, I mean, I was confused till the end. I'm sure that I, hopefully the next episode would solve some of those questions, but it seems like the... the so I, I feel like more, even if you watched every episode, you would still be very confused. Is that just... I don't know, yeah. a me or the show? It's maybe a mixture of it's it's, it's 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 Both. like 60% you, 40% the show. <laughs> I'll take it. That's pretty good. Um, so, uh, how? What's the, uh, you guys have seen the rest of the show. Obviously, Nate, you know a little bit more about it. Is this crazy till the end, I guess? Or what else happens? That- like, just generally in the show, you mean? Yeah. I mean, no, nothing the show does ever makes a lick of sense, really. <laughs> so, it's... It's up and down in how crazy it is. I actually remember the finale being, like, really just kind of boring. Right. Because um, the finale, like, involves Vince kind of having to reconcile with his past life. And, like, his wife and kid and partner are in danger. And he reveals who he is to his partner, at least. Um, but then the partner gets killed. Um, That's pointless. Spoilers, I guess. <laughs> spoilers um, for the cape. Yeah. <sighs> no, I mean... It's definitely up and down. There are every episode will have at least one scene that is batshit crazy and makes no sense, like the sexy time breakfast conversation we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Or there's a scene where Vinnie Jones's scales 
forces all of his lieutenants uh, into a meeting because one of them is corrupt and he's going to reveal by not giving that person a piece of cake. Um, like, Lord. there's so much beautiful, delightful weirdness in the show that every episode you'll get at least a taste of how it. Some the, will have how more, some will have did less. Did it start out like this or did it get crazy? Yes. It was, it was oh, yeah, no, again, the pilot. Like, from the beginning, these. I guess we said he was framed for this murder right. as a supervillain called Chess, and his dumb family doesn't realize that it's him who has the cape. Yeah. God damn it. Well, I mean, I don't know what this will do and hopefully convince other people to watch it, so I don't know if you're alone on that, Nate, but, I mean, it was certainly... Um, you all are missing out if you don't want to. <laughs> More cape for me, I guess. <laughs> and then, I, the one other question I had is, do we know why he's called the Lick? Oh, well, he mentioned... The Lick is like a figure in mythology generally that's like a pretty evil dude. Like but he also man. mentions oh, the, the, the skin thing that has l- l- Lich in it, like his skin condition. Oh, so I that's noticed. why he goes by that maybe? Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure that was some kind of a weird like in-universe like villain. I guess that's the first time it's been introduced in this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That makes a little more sense. Because again, I they don't really give you any kind of information like whether or not he is a new character or he is this new. I mean, they they talk about him for the first time through half of the episode. But for all I knew, this has been like the guy running the show from behind the scenes the whole time. But good lord. Well, that's that guy. <laughs> Do you have any other like passing yep. notes that we didn't go over? Yeah. Just remember, either you wear the cape or the cape wears you. All right. Well, let's move on to plugs then. So, what's up with you, Latoya? Uh, you can uh, always find me on Twitter at LaFergs. Uh, don't be a psycho and stalk me. Uh, you can also find my writing on the AV Club as well as just wherever my heart takes me. Awesome. And then um, what's up with you, Nate? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Levy on TV. Awesome. Uh, I would also request that you not stalk me. Mm-hmm. I don't have any issue with you stalking LaToya, though, so I'm going to abstain you. from discussing that one. And, uh, yeah, I don't write other places. I'm not cool like Latoya, which is why I'm okay with you stalking her. <laughs> All right. And then, as always, I am at Mara E on Twitter. Um, next week's Hangout Mr. Cooper will be his SNL appearance, so check that out. Um, and then uh, next episode of this show will be Grey's Anatomy, the musical episode, season 7, uh, episode oh, God, I'm gonna 18. I'm going to shoot myself in the head. Song Beneath the Song, a.k.a. the episode when I told my sister I was doing, she again asked, why would you do that? That's a fantastic episode. You're dumb, sister. <laughs> uh, so stay tuned for that. And you can get us on Twitter at the Televoy. You can email us at thetelevoid at gmail.com. And then rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes. It is uh, awesome. And until next time, thanks for wandering into the Televoid. See you then. Bye. Six seasons and a movie!